Clovercrest Media Group presents a CMG podcast. Keys to the city. Keys to the city, baby. When you see us, so you know. Crossed up by Kobe. Well, floated Shaq. And then Shaq goes like this. And the rest is history. Pay attention. Don't tell me what to do, devil woman. Speaking of those Lakers. But I, but I, hold on. Fun. But I didn't make my point. I didn't make my I said Denver's going to win. Yeah, you did. You said that. There's no other show like that. Clovercrest is doing great things right now. Streaming everywhere. Ladies and gentlemen, this is our main event. Thanks to uh, Throwing Jabs and Keys to the City. Those were their uh, promos right there. Obviously, Keys to the City, uh, Ted and Trevor, they'll be on this week talking about the Giants and Browns. And Throwing Jabs every Saturday at 10, Joe Aguirre, our producer, Jace Garcia, and Jared Jones. And now, welcome to Sports Talk with R and J. I'm your host, Steve Risser, along with Justin D'Onofrio. And we got a big week week 15 is upon us, and we got a matchup in the AFC West on Thursday night as the Raiders are trying to keep their playoff hopes alive. They've been not playing; they haven't been playing well the last three weeks at all. I mean, getting crushed to the Falcons, uh, they should have lost to the Jets, and then last week getting crushed to the uh, to the uh, uh, Colts. And uh, this resulted in uh, Paul Gunter getting fired as their defensive coordinator because their defense has been playing terrible. And looking at this game. As we remember earlier in the year when these two te- two teams played, it was a really close competitive game with, with Justin Herbert going up against Derek. It came down to the last play of the game where it looked like the Chargers won, but the the, the receiver was out of bounds, and then the Raiders ended up winning the 31-26. So, and, and, the, and, and after that, the season both seasons kind of went in the other direction. But the Raiders have been struggling. The Chargers did win a game last week over the Falcons. So I think this is going to – and for the game, I think this is going to be a close competitive game. But I'm going to go with an upset. I'm going to take the Chargers uh, 31-28, and here's why. I think they're going to be able to control the ground game with Austin Eckler and uh, Kalen Balaj. So they're going to get yards on the ground, which is going to set up play action for Justin Herbert. And that's why I think the Chargers are going to score in the 30s. And I think the Raiders are going to score points in this game. We don't know if Josh Jacobs is going to play or not, but I think Derek Carr moves the ball. But I think the Chargers' defense makes a stand at the end. I think Joey Boza makes a big play at the end, gets pressure on Derek Carr, either sacks him or forces a fumble. And I got the Chargers pulling an upset in this game. I got I got the Chargers winning at 31-28. Now, Justin, I got the Chargers. But can the firing of Paul Gunter spark the Raiders in their defense and keep their playoff hopes alive? I think it could. You know, um, short week, so it's, it is tough for Rob Marinelli here to kind of create, like, a good game plan here. But he likes guys that put a lot of energy for the fire. Um the worry for me is they're really banged up in the secondary, so I don't know who's going to play or who's not. This, you know, with Abram being um, questionable right now. Um, but I think they find a way to win it just because I trust the Raiders a bit more than I do the Chargers, and I think their defense does find a way to force their turnover too late, and they will snap their losing streak here, and they'll find a way in a short week to beat the Chargers. Yeah, it should be a good game. Raiders obviously need this win. Raiders don't win this game. There's no way they're making the playoffs at all. But we'll go to the Saturday slate, and we got the Bills trying to win the AFCs for the first time since 1995 as they head out to Denver to face the Broncos. And the way Josh Allen is playing, I don't think there's there's many defense that could stop him. And I think he has a huge game Saturday night. In the, this is the game of the 430 windows. This is the game going under in Clemson-Notre Dame. So we don't know how many people are going to be watching this game. But I think Josh Allen has a big game 
for the Bills. I think he gets the ball to Stefan Diggs, gets the ball to Cole Beasley. I think they'll even get a little bit of a running game with Zach Moss and Devin Singletary. And the Bills' defense hasn't playing well lately, and I think they forced a turnover or two from Drew Locke. I do think the Broncos moved the ball a little bit against the Bills' defense. I think Melvin Gordon has some yards on the ground. Drew Locke had a good game last week getting the ball to K.J. Hamler. But that's not going to be enough. It's I got the Bills winning the AFC East for the first time in a quarter century. Now, Justin, I got the Bills, but we know Denver is a tough place to play. Can the Broncos spoil the Bills' ch- chance to win the AFC for the first for the first time in a quarter century? I think there's a chance. Um, I do have the Bills winning so 24 coming off the emotional win on a Sunday night. Um, you know, Broncos look good. Drew Locke played very well. It is definitely a tough place to play. In the Broncos, you know, the Broncos run the vault well, and that's kind of the Bills aren't great at stopping the run. So if they can kind of play keep away from Josh Allen that offense, Melvin Gordon can have a big game. Um, I think the Broncos definitely hang in there, but Drew Locke does definitely has to be able to protect the football. Um, he can't make mistakes, and um, I think the Bills will be able to go on the road though and still pull it off 28-24. But would not be shocked to see Denver get a win. We got the late game on Saturday night between the Panthers and the Packers, and thank God the SEC championship game is going on because this isn't going to be a good game at all. As the uh, I think the Packers win this game big. I think uh, I got them, I got to win it thirty four seventeen. Justin, I'm assuming you got the Packers, but do you agree with me? Yeah, I got the Packers thirty one twenty one. Yeah, so we will get head to the Sunday slate, and I, and we got to start with my Giants on Sunday night football against the Browns. They laid an egg last week against the Cardinals. This is a must game for the Giants. This is, and obviously you saw the Browns on Monday night. Even though they lost, they played really, really well against the uh, against the Ravens. Baker, you got to give it Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield has played, you know, really well the last two weeks. And even since Odell Beckham's been out. I mean, if you look at the numbers since Odell Beckham's been out, it's been 13 touchdowns, three picks. The team's record is is a uh, is a uh, uh, five and two. Let's be honest, Baker Mayfield is a better quarterback without Odell Beckham. I mean, and this is a better offense without Odell Beckham. I mean, they could be, they're able to run the ball better, and Baker Mayfield is able to spread the ball around. So, really, Kevin Stefanski's done a great job, but the but the Browns' offense is definitely better without Odell Beckham. And for this game, I do think the Giants' defense contains the Browns on the ground. I do think I don't think the Browns run, run wild on the Giants, but I think the difference in this game is going to be Jones is banged up. We don't know if he's going to play or not. There, there are reports now that he might not play. And, and I think the Browns contain the Giants running game, too. And they get pressure on either Jones or Colt McCoy. And that's ultimately going to make the difference in the game. I think the Giants' defense is good enough to keep them in this game. But I don't think the Giants win this game. I got the Browns beating the Giants 23-16. to 16. But, Justin, can the Giants contain the Browns' run game and do enough to pull the upset? I think they can. I do have the Giants winning this thing um, 23-20. Or 2420, if I bet. Um, I think, you know, I, last week was awful. I think your offensive line plays a lot better this week. Um, yeah, I don't think Jones is 100%. So, like, again, I don't think it would be the worst case in the world if we see Colt McCoy and just kind of be like a game manager like they had him against Seattle. Um, you know, I definitely like the way the Browns played Monday night. That was a tough loss. I think we, sh- we saw a lot. Oh, we might have lost Justin there, but yeah. yeah. Oh, did you back, Justin? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I was, um, the Giant. I think they play a lot, lot better this week, and they find a way to win. Yeah, I, I, I could see, I could see uh, the game being uh, very, very, you know, competitive and close. But here's the thing: I just think that uh, 
the, the, the Browns offense is playing well. The Giants are just going to have to definitely get in the 20s to win that game. They, 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 there's no way if the Giants don't get in the 20s, they, they win this game. I think yeah, it's, and, and they're going to have to they're going to have to run the football. You saw the, the Ravens did a good job running the ball against the Browns, especially Lamar Jackson. But the problem is, is with Jones not being 100 percent, the Giants are not going to have that threat of Jones running the football. So they're going to have to do it with Wayne Gallman. They're going to have to do it with Alfred Morris. And last week they were okay doing it, but they did they weren't great running the ball last week. So they're going to have to do it with those two guys to help Jones or McCoy off play action. And, and, and the thing about the Giants defensively is they're not going to get a ton of, they're not going to, they're not get the, the kind of pressure they got on Russell Wilson. They did on that. They didn't, that they're going to get on Baker Mayfield because the Browns offensive line is pretty good. So I think that, you know, Mayfield might have a turnover too, but I think he's going to make some plays in this game. He's going to be able to make enough for the Browns to win the game. Yeah, I think he, um, you know, definitely. But again, I the way the Giants played, and I like the way that Joe Judge talks and all this. I think they he lights a fire on this week, and I, I think you get a really inspired effort this week. I think they do slow down the Browns' running game. Um, I think their offensive line plays a lot better, which I think could open up the running game for Morris and. Um, Wayne Gallman, you know, and I, I think the receivers make enough plays. So, and I think they'll make a player two as a special team. So I just, you know, and with the way the Browns lost too, just an emotional loss coming out on a short week, playing another primetime game. I, I see the Giants being able to come in here and take, I still think this is a good Giants team. Um, you know, that kind of sat their four game winning streak, kind of went backwards from everything we saw from that four game winning streak. But I think they regain part of it. And I do think they find a way to slow down Baker enough and do get the win. Yeah, you, you do make a good point about the Browns coming off an emotional game and this being a short week. And that's definitely one of the reasons why I don't think they, they score anywhere near as many points as they scored on Monday night. I think, that, I think yes, they're going to be a, 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 they, they're gonna be a little bit tired coming off a short week and an emotional game. So they, I think they might be a little bit – they could come out a little bit flat. But I just think talent-wise, the Browns are the more talented team. And the quarterback, and I hate to say this, I don't like Baker Mayfield, but the quarterback's playing better. That's why I got the Browns winning it close. Yeah, Baker, you know, the last few weeks, Baker has played a lot, and it's kind of given those signs that, you know, he can be, you know, he can live up to that number one pick, that, that hype. Um, but, yeah, you know, I think part of it last week, just Daniel Jones just wasn't 100% healthy. I don't know if he's going to be able to this week. It's, I know. saw on Bleacher Report he suffered another leg injury, so he might not even play. Yeah, so that's, you know. And then you get, you know, then that's the case. It may be the better option, even, you know, if he's not 100%, just to go with Colt McCoy. Oh, last week um, they should have played Colt McCoy. There's no yeah. there's no way they should have played Jones last week. They should have played Colt McCoy and try and to run the football and try not to win that way with their running game and their defense. The mistake they played was playing Daniel Jones last week. That was I, I really like what Joe Judge has done this year, but that was that was the biggest coaching mistake he's made this year was playing Daniel Jones last week. Yeah, because, you know, I, I'm with you 100% there because he was not healthy. And I think, you know, if it is Colt McCoy this week, I think they do the same thing two weeks ago. They just, again, he just does enough. They they put in a good game plan because, you know, they probably put in something for him just in case. So he's probably been practicing with the first team most of the week. So I think he, they do find a way to do enough for Colt McCoy as a game manager, and they do find a way to knock off the Browns. We'll stay in the NFC East as we have the Seahawks heading all the way out to Washington. To face to face the Washington Football Team, and I think this game is going to be a very obviously close competitive game. I think this front four for uh, for for Washington is going to give Russell Wilson a really really hard time, just like the Giants did, just like the Rams did. 
I think I think the front four is going to give them a hard time. I do have the Seahawks win to twenty to sixteen, and why I have the Seahawks win to twenty to sixteen is I don't think Washington's offense is going to do do enough in this game. I think they might benefit from a turnover here or there. They only scored nine points on offense last week. They got defensive touchdowns. They had the uh, interception from Cameron Curl, and they had the uh, and they had the strip sack from uh, Chase Young. So. I think that I don't think Washington's offense is going to be able to do enough, no matter who starts. If it's Dwayne Haskins or Alex Smith, I don't know if they're going to get Antonio back either. So I think in a close competitive game, I got the Seahawks winning. But the question is, Justin, we know Washington's front four is great. Can they do with what the Jets and Rams did and stay in first place? Yeah, I think this is a good possibility. Um, and you know, we saw Chase Young's been great this year. Montez Sweat's been great. They will. I think you can find out like 13 sacks, Washington's top five in sacks, three, you know, um, total right now in the NFL. I think there's definitely a possibility, but I'm with you. I just, I think that, you know, their defense is going to have to score touchdowns and special team touchdowns or at least put them in field goal range or, you know, get them in Seattle's territory to have a chance. Yeah, whoever plays quarterback, I just don't think they're going to be able to drive down the field um, against Seattle and be able to score enough points. But I, I think they could definitely – blow up the Seattle's offensive line and make Russell make a few mistakes. And that's how they're going to have to win this game. Um, but I think Seattle does enough here to survive Washington and they'll move, you know, and they'll um, move to 10-4. The Eagles stayed in the NFC East race last week as they upset the, uh, they upset the Saints. And they got another huge game this week against the Cardinals. And Jalen Hurts definitely gave that team a spark. He gave the defense played really well, and then he played pretty well too. He ran for over 100 yards. He made some plays. He, he hit uh, Jalen Rieger on that crossing route. He played a pretty good game for the Eagles to get that huge win over the Saints. But I think in this game, I think Kyler Murray's going to have a. I think they're the We saw last week the Cardinals' offense getting back on track. I think they're going to have another big week this week. I think that Kyler Murray's going to have a big game throwing the ball to DeAndre Hopkins. I think Kenny Drake will have a big game on the ground. I think the Cardinals get in the 30s. And I got the Cardinals winning at 30 to 23. And the big reason why is I think Hopkins, uh, Murray, and Drake have big games. And I think I think on offense, the Eagles, you know, move the ball with Jalen Hurts. But the problem is they're going to be kicking field goals while Arizona scores, a, a, a scores touchdowns. And I got the Cardinals beating the Eagles 30 to 23. But, but Justin, Jalen Hurts... Uh, played well last week. Can he win his second in a row this week? It's going to be tough. I have Arizona winning 27-20. to 20. I think they can hang in there. Um, I just don't think they'll be able to do enough, especially against Arizona's weapons, um, especially on the offensive side of the ball. I think Murray could have a big game running, throwing, um, Dan Hopkins involved. Um, you know, you know, Hurts played well again. Uh, wasn't great or anything, but for his first start, you know, he played well and he lit, he lit a spark for that team, which they needed. Um, they re, they got Miles Sanders involved last week too, which helped the running game. Um, I think you know, the, the first time since 2002, I think that the quarterback and running back for the Eagles both went over 100 yards in a game. Um, as long as they protect the, as long as Hurts protects the football, doesn't make too many mistakes, and puts his defense in a tough spot, they definitely have a chance to win this game. But I just think Arizona's got too much offensively right now. And I think the Cardinals will be able to, to find a way to, to beat the Eagles at home. We go to a matchup in the AFCs down in Miami as we got Frank's Miami Dolphins facing Justin's New England Patriots. And I think this is I think the Dolphins win to twenty to twelve. I think I think it's a tough AFC East battle. I think I think Belichick does give give Tua some problems. I think Tua struggles a little bit in this game, but the problem is 
The Patriots offense is not good, and they're facing a really good Dolphins defense, which is going to force a, a turnover from Cam Newton. Cam Newton, who should have been benched last week. I would have started Jared Stidham at this point from the Patriots, but I think the Patriots figured that they're still in the playoffs. So, they still, you know, they still have an outside shot at the playoffs, so why not just start Cam Newton? But I think, obviously, a close competitive game, but I got the Dolphins winning it. But, Justin, Belichick's had a lot of success against young QBs. Can he continue the success against Tua? and keep the Pats slim playoff hopes alive. Uh, I think we might have lost Justin there. But, but yeah, I mean. I'm back. Uh, are you back? You're back? Okay. You're back, Justin? Yeah, so I don't know what's going on. You know, I got an Ethernet cable, too, so I don't know what the what's going on. But um, I don't want to keep losing for a second. But, yeah, you know, um, in the last decade, Belichick's against rookie qu- quarterbacks, the touchdown interception ratio is 14 touchdowns to 20 interceptions. So, we, they, yeah, they've definitely been great. I think it, the Dolphins went 17-13. You know, so I think they slowed Tua down. But, again, I just don't trust their offense to score any points right now. Um, again, I I think they do kind of the same thing they did against Herbert. Um, and kind of do the same stuff. But the thing is, Brian Flores knows what Bill Belichick likes to do. You know, he, he knows how he kind of likes to attack rookie quarterbacks and all that because he's been his D coordinator. Um, so again, I think for the familiarity, I, it's going to be a little bit disadvantage for the Patriots and Bill, but I think they find a way to keep it low scoring. If their defense can get a pick six, if their special teams can block a punt or something, the Patriots definitely can win this game. But I, I just I don't see it really happening with our offense. Um, again, I'm I, I'm ready for Jarrett Sinem or I'm ready for Julian Edelman to play Wildcat quarterback. But I think the Dolphins. Uh, we'll some we'll somehow we'll find a way to win this game 17-13. It's especially too because the Patriots too usually in Miami it's always a trap game. It's usually one of those games. Um, they don't usually win most of the time the last few years. So um, for also that standpoint, I'll take the Dolphins 17-13. Yeah, and you said you've talked about them not playing well in Miami, and they really have. I mean, we all remember uh, remember the game in 2015 where Belichick threw the ball four times in the first half. We obviously remember the Miami Miracle. That was crazy. I think they lost, they lost them in 2017. They lost them in 2013. They had a, the Belichick has a lot of trouble down in Miami, even with Brady. I think he's going to continue to have trouble with Cam Newton. And speaking of Cam Newton, I wrote an article. It's I, they have to bench him at this point. I mean, yeah, I, the, I'm not saying the guys had a t- Newton's had a terrible year. He's he's been average this year. He's had his good games against the Texans, against the Ravens, against the Seahawks, against the Dolphins the first time. But he's also looked horrible, like he did last week against the Rams, against like, like he did against the 49ers, and he even in their win over the Cardinals and against the Broncos. So I wouldn't, I would say at this point, the Patriots, yes, I know they still have an outside shot at the playoffs, but with three games left, they got to see what they have with Jared Stidham to see what direction they're going in the draft. Because now you're in a division now with Josh Allen and Tua, you got to know what direction you're going into the quarterback position, or you're going to be living in third place for a while. Oh yeah. I, I 100% agree with you. I I think it's, it's definitely time. I think there's the, um, we don't know he has, he's got the shoulder surgery, and again his mechanics are always wonky, so I I think it's a combination of both that right now because you just you know, um so I think it's I think it's a shoulder that's bothering, but definitely I I again you know I don't think Stenum's our future quarterback, but again maybe something maybe there's a spark and you know if he somehow plays the next three weeks he looks really good and maybe there is a future for him, but I don't see that happening. But you'll never know until you actually see him perform on the field. And hopefully, you know, they make the move. Because, yeah, it's a slim shot for the playoffs. But, again, I don't 
you know, I we beat the Jets week thir- 17, but again, these these next two against Miami and Buffalo are really up in the air. I don't feel confident about either one right now. So yeah, I, I I'm kind of at the point just we're sitting them, you know. Thanks Cam for coming in, you know, look good for for a few weeks, but um he's just not healthy and you can kind of tell. I think the shoulders been bugging him all year. Yeah, I mean, it's not like obviously we know Cam's not the future. It's not like Stidham's the future, but at this point, if he plays great, that for the I mean, they're not gonna start him this week. But if he played great for the last three games, you never know. Yeah, you know that's exactly right. That's exactly why I would rather see him at this point than a Cam just to move into the future at least and just see what you have in him. Um, again, because going in the mock draft that year for Stidham. People had him in the top five, so people thought he had talent, and I know we haven't seen it, but again, again there's a chance that um, we could see it. I, I don't think I don't think we'll be able to see it, but you know, you never know until until he gets that chance. And I, I'm hoping if it's not this week, it'll be the last two games that they'll just let Jarrett go out there and see what he's got. And we'll see. We'll see what ends up happening there. But we're going to go from Tom Brady's old team to his current team. That's the Buccaneers, who were coming off a win last week over the Vikings, and they got back on track. Even though the Vikings moved the ball well against them, Dan Bailey had a terrible day kicking field goals. That's another story. But we got, obviously, an, an, an uh, NFC South matchup in Atlanta. I got the Bucs winning this game uh, 27-13. Here's why. I think this Bucks run defense shuts down Ty Gurley and forces Ryan to be one-dimensional and forces a turnover for Matt Ryan. And I also think that... Brady, yes, they might struggle to run the ball a little bit, but I think Brady uh, gets back on track against Atlanta secondary, gets the ball to Mike Evans, gets it to Scotty Miller, gets the ball to Chris Godwin. And I do think the Bucs move the ball pretty well. And I got the Bucs win it. I got got to win it by two scores. But, Justin, can Matt Ryan, he struggled last week, but can he keep up with Tom Brady and this Bucs offense? I think there's a chance. I have I have Tampa keep – I mean, Atlanta keeping this close, 20-23. Um, I think they could put up some points against this weak Falcon secondary. Yeah, they cannot – the Falcons can't really run the ball well. Um, the Bucks are great at stopping the run. So, yeah, it, it makes them one-dimensional. But, um, again, I think Atlanta could force a turnover too as well against Brady and, again, get some, you know, um, starting good field position here and be able to uh, score a touchdown or, or even a field goal. I think they can keep it close. But, and I, I think they'll be able to, you know, I, I think Ryan could have a big day. I know he struggled last week. Um, they're not look great against a weak Chargers defense. But I think he comes back home, you know, they're in the dome. So I, he usually plays well at home. So I think they put up some points. But, yeah, I don't think it's enough to beat Tom Brady in the Bucks. Got an old school NFC matchup with the Niners and the Cowboys. And I think both fans wish it was 1993 because – uh, neither of these teams are good this year. Obviously, the defending NFC champions were been ravaged by injuries. The uh, the Forty Nine are five and eight. The Cowboys also been ravaged with injuries. They're right now four and nine. But for this game, I got the Niners just because I love their run game against the Cowboys' run defense. Justin, who do you got? Yeah, I got the Niners going to uh, Jerry's Wilden game. They win twenty three to seventeen. I think they do enough even with all the injuries. AFC South matchup in Indianapolis, and this is the second time. In three weeks, these teams will fit will face with each other as we got the Texans traveling to Indy to face the Colts. And I got the Colts winning this game big, and I got them winning at 31-13. I think this Houston team has quit. I think they've quit on Romeo Cornell. I think this Houston team is a total mess, as you saw last week, as the Bears, Mitch Trubisky and the Bears beat them 36-7. to 
I think that, you know, Jonathan Taylor is another big game on the ground. I think Phillip Rivers has another big game through the air. And I think that, you know, uh, Indy's D-line with DeForest Buckner and Justin Houston is all over Deshaun Watson. I feel bad for Deshaun Watson because he's in a terrible situation this year. And I got the Colts winning big. But speaking of Deshaun Watson, Justin, can he do enough this week to carry his team to a very unlikely victory? Um. I think they keep it close. I have it 30 to 24. I think, you know, I do worry about the line, um, that offensive line for the Texans. Yeah, they, they looked awful last week in a lackluster effort in Chicago. Um, I think, you know, yeah, I feel bad for Watson. He got absolutely, you know, destroyed out there last week. I think they do bring some effort. I think they do find a way to score some points against this Colts defense, which I know is getting um, somewhat healthier. I think Darius Leonard is still questionable for this week, which, um, again, if he doesn't play, I think that definitely helps out the Texans a bit here. Um, again, he's got no weapons, um, Deshaun Watson, but I, I think I think they do find a way to score some points in the, you know, on the road, in the Dome. I think they do play better, but, again, I just don't think they're going to be able to stop the Colts' offense right now. They're, they're playing really well. Um, I know it's been some weak defenses, but – and as long as Philip doesn't turn the ball over, the Colts will win this game. Absolutely, absolutely. So we got an AFC matchup in Baltimore as the Jaguars travel up to Baltimore to face the Ravens, and I think the Ravens continue to, to roll, continue to roll, and win their third in a row. I got the Ravens winning this one big, thirty-one ten. Assuming you agree with me, Justin. Oh yeah, I got the Ravens twenty-seven to ten. Um, they'll take care of business week in Jacksonville. Got a big NFC North matchup in Minnesota as the six and seven Bears travel to Minnesota to face the six and seven Vikings. I got the Vikings winning this one 31-27, and here's why. I think they're gonna do it on the ground game with Dalvin Cook. I think Dalvin Cook's gonna have a big game on the ground. He didn't have a great game on the ground the first time they play, but I think he has a big game on the ground this time. I think Kirk Cousins is a pretty good game through the year, too. I think he just throws a couple touchdown passes. One to Adam Thielen and a couple to Justin Jefferson. I think Justin Jefferson has a big game receiving. And for the Bears, I do think Mitch Trubisky makes plays. Like he's played well the last couple of weeks. I think he continues to play well against his Vikings defense. Like he, I think Trubisky, you know, put the, the Bears move the ball. Trubisky has a big game. Allen Robinson has a big game. But I'm going to take the better coach team and the better quarterback in a close one. And that's why I got the Vikings. But Justin, he's played well the last couple of weeks. Can he continue this and keep the Bears' playoff hopes alive? Um, you know, he plays well. I don't know if they'll be able to do a lot. I got the Vikings win this one 24-21. Um, again, remember that Monday night game, the Bears offense could not do anything. I think they had like 150 total yards of offense or something like that. Um, and, you know, the running game really helped out. And I think it's really, it's really helped out Mr. Mitch Trubisky. Um, if they can kind of do that against a weak Vikings defense. I think they definitely could win this game. Um, I think, yeah, um, but I think Cousins and Dalvin Cook do a little bit too much, though, for the Vikings, and they're not going to be able to score enough. Um, but I would not shock me to see the Bears pull another one out because of the way Trubisky's playing. Their defense, the Bears' defense looked really, really good last week as well, but I just, I'll, I'll take the Vikings right now, 24-21. Got an interconference matchup down in Tennessee as the Lions take on the Titans. 
And I got the Titans winning this one big, 31-13. A big reason is I don't think Matthew Stafford's going to play. And I, and, and I think Chase Daniels is going to struggle. I think that Derrick Henry's going to have a big game on the ground. A.J. Brown's going to have a big day through the air. Ryan Tannehill's going to have a couple touchdown passes. And for, and for, and for, the, and for the Lions, I feel, like, I feel like even though the Titans' defense isn't that good, Chase Daniels is going to have a lot of problems. He, he might have, have an interception or another turnover. And I got the Titans winning this game big. big. But, Justin, Matthew Stafford's played well the last couple weeks. We don't know if he's going to play this week, though. But if he does, can he play it well enough? to lead the Lions to an upset win? I think there's a possibility. I, if he does play, I have the score at 31-27 Titans. If not, I'll go like 31-17, to 17, something like that. Um, against a very weak Titans defense, yeah, I, I definitely think they can. You know, um, Galladay, T.J. Hawkinson, um, DeAndre Swift's been, been good as well. Um, you know, since, you know, since um, coming back from the concussion. If they all play, I, I think the Lions can keep up with this Titans team. But, and can the Titans make enough, I mean, can the Lions make enough stops? Can they slow down Derrick Henry? Um, I don't think they're going to be able to do that. But def- I definitely think the Lions, because of their offense, they, they have a lot of weapons. They're, you know, they'd be very explosive. Definitely think they could put up enough points. I just don't think they're going to be able to stop the Titans. And, I'll, you know, so I'll, I'll take the Titans 31-27 if Stafford plays. I think they do keep it close, though. We got the CMG game of the week uh, between the Chiefs and the Saints, 425 uh, on Sunday in New Orleans. And it looks like Drew Brees isn't going to play, so the Saints are going to go with Taysom Hill. I got the Chiefs winning at 27-20, and here's why. I think I think the Saints do a good job stopping their run game. The Chiefs struggle to run the ball, but I do think Mahomes has a big day, obviously another big day through the air uh, with t- getting the ball to Tyreek Hill, getting the ball to Travis Kelsey getting the ball to Edward Solaire out in the flat. I think they move the ball. I do think that the uh, I do think that the Saints uh, do move the ball a little bit too. The only issue is I don't think Dalvin Kamara is going to have a, as good of a game because he just he – no, Alvin Kamara just hasn't played as well when uh, Taysom Hill has been the quarterback. So I don't think he plays as, plays as good of a game. But I do think this is a close competitive game. The Saints get pressure on Mahomes to try to contain that offense. Uh, Taysom Hill, I think, move the ball on this Chiefs defense. I think it's close and competitive. But at the end, we all know what happens in a Chiefs game. They they always win. And I got the Chiefs winning this one close. But the big question is, Justin, can the Saints defense force a few turnovers like the Dolphins did last week and keep their hopes for the number one seed alive? I think there's a possibility at home. I get the Chiefs winning, though, 28-24. to 24. Um, I definitely think the Chiefs, I mean, the Saints could, Definitely keeps us interesting. I know they looked pretty bad last week against the Eagles. Um, you know, again, if you can get forced in turnovers, especially when, you know, they kind of have the Chiefs against the, um, the back of their own walls there, you know. Um, but they gotta cap, you got to capitalize off turnovers, though. Um, Dolphins didn't do that great. But if you can score off of a, of a turnover um, – I think the, the the Saints definitely have a chance to win. But, again, if, if Mahomes has the ball in the final possession of the game, there's just no way the Saint, the, the Chiefs are losing that game. Um, and I, I think that's going to happen this one. But it would not shock me to see the New Orleans Saints keep this in close. But I'll take the Chiefs 20-24. You just cannot bet against Patrick Mahomes. Absolutely never bet against Mahomes. Uh, we got a – we got a lopsided game in L.A. this week as the Jets travel to L.A. to face the Rams, and this should be an easy Rams win. I got the Rams winning 34-26. I mean, sorry about that, 34-6. Justin, who do you got? 
Yeah, I got the Rams 28 to 6. Poor Jets. We got the Monday night game. It is a division game and an AFC North battle, but I still think that this is a get-right game for the Steelers. The Bengals off. We don't know who's going to start a quarterback for the Bengals. Their offense is absolutely terrible with Ryan Finley or uh, Brendan Allen. And I and I think and, and I think that the Steelers win this one big. I got the Steelers beating the Bengals 31 to 7. Justin, who do you got? Yeah, I got the Steelers 24 to 7. The you know, one of these doctor kind of order games here to get the Steelers straight. We're going to shift over to the NBA, but before that, here's a promo from one of CMG Sports' newest podcasts, The Three Point Podcast. What's up, Clovercrest Nation? It's Lucas Bolduck here, and I'm here to tell you about my new show coming to the Clovercrest Media Group. The podcast is called The Three Point Podcast, and we'll take a deep dive into the top NBA stories for the week. Whether it's big trade news, an NBA star has a big game, or just a big game we're looking forward to for that week. We'll take you there, and uh, we'll just have you follow the Clovercrest Media Group Facebook page for more information coming about the show. But we're, we're so excited to bring you this new NBA show, and uh, we're just looking forward to a great NBA season. Thank you, Lucas. And, yes, the three-point podcast, I, I'm pretty sure that that's going to be starting up next week. Definitely excited for that. I'll, I'll definitely listen to that. And uh, the biggest story of the day, though, came out of the NBA, and that's Giannis signing his $228 million extension with the Bucks. And for me, I was kind of surprised because I felt like, you know, Giannis going into his free agency year, the Bucks really haven't improved the team much around him in the offseason. I thought he, I thought he would, be, I thought he would, uh, wouldn't sign this offseason. I thought he'd maybe wait till next offseason, test free agency, see, see what's out there. He signed yesterday, five years, two hundred twenty-eight million. Just, just an outstanding player, a player that's came a long way. This is a guy back in like uh, 2013, 2014 that was averaging six points a game. Now he's averaging almost thirty points a game. An MVP this year, second straight MVP and Defensive Player of the Year. The guy's clearly a top, uh, top five player in the game, arguably top three or even the best player in the game. The, the thing I think that's holding him back from being the best player game has been the playoffs he's not made an NBA finals appearance yet but to be fair last year he got hurt in that series against the heat but huge day for Giannis a huge day for the Bucks. they got they got their cornerstone they got their franchise player locked up for the next five years there's an opt-out four years but they get their guy locked up for the next five years yeah they do um again I think it's great for the sport too that he stays in Milwaukee you know a small a smaller market team than these LA's and the Miami Boston New York um, so it's great that he's staying in Milwaukee. Um, and I know, yeah, they didn't do a ton, but I know they, they, they tried the Bodon, Bodanovich sign and trade kind of fell apart um, and all that. So I think he kind of liked that they showed um, that they're trying to do all they can for him. Um, it kind of seems like a guy, too. He seems like a loyal guy that really wants to bring a championship to Milwaukee. Um, you know, hopefully he can do that. I think he'll, he'll, he will be able to do that before his contract's over. Um, but yeah, just a great story from a guy really, when he started, you know, late lottery pick kind of really not got, you know, kind of was a bench guy. And then all of a sudden, you know, that now is an MVP. Um, but it's, uh, you know, I think it's really good too for the sport and, uh, you know, for the NBA, that they were able to keep him, I think, in a smaller market because now it keeps Milwaukee fans really invested now to, you know, of him walking out, going somewhere else. Absolutely. I mean, it's now, and it is, it's up to 
Bucks uh, to get a to get a great team around him, get him another elite player around him. Because if you look at their right now, you got Drew Holiday. He's I think an upgrade when he plays with Eric Blutz. He has trouble staying healthy. Uh, Vincenzo, uh, Chris Middleton. Here's my thing with Chris Middleton. He was an All Star, but he's a fans All Star. There's no All Star in the West. I think he's a true two. He's more of a high. Th- he's more of a third option on a championship team. I don't think he's a second. I don't think Middleton is a championship team and you got Brooke Royal Plus at center so what they need is is they need a true number two or be honest and they got four years to do it better do it because Bucks get to an NBA with this that's on their organization that's completely on their organization you have a championship with a player like this there's there's no way it happened yo yeah um yeah I, I definitely you know with a guy this talented and you could not help him get the one NBA finals, um, would really be shameful on, on your organization. Um, you know, I, I don't know how much more cap they have left for next off season. I don't know what all that is where they're at, you know, cause I was surprised that Bogdan again, I know Bogdan Bogdan wouldn't have been like a number two, but he would have been a really good spot up shooter for Milwaukee, helped them out. Probably would have took some pressure off of Giannis. Um, but definitely, I think they, they definitely need another guy to come help out um, Giannis. Because, again, this East isn't what it was, you know, again, like a year or two ago. The, Net, the Nets have some talent. Boston always has talent. Um, Toronto kept Van Vliet. Miami's always up there. So, you know, it's not, you know, not going to be easy road. So he's definitely going to need some help. But, um, again, he's, you know, you know, whole, you know I, I'm rooting for him that, Hopefully get one, at least one for Milwaukee, because you know, because yeah, he he's all world talent. He's definitely a top three, top guy right now in the NBA. Yeah, and and the I think one of the biggest stories for tomorrow, from what happened yesterday, is is uh, this might be a culture change in the NBA. This might be a kind of a changing the guard, the guard where stars don't get back to maybe how it was in the old days with Duncan, with Kobe Bryant, or even back even back in the '90s with Michael Jordan, with Akeem Olajuwon, with Karl Malone, where guys didn't leave their teams. Like LeBron kind of started a culture where, all right, if you're unhappy, you leave your team. Like with the decision, you, you saw you saw LeBron leave his team. We've seen uh, we've seen Kevin Durant leave his team. We've seen Anthony Davis leave his team. We've seen. Kawhi Leonard leave his team. That's four, that's four superstars who've, le- who've left their teams and have played on multiple teams. Which you know you don't see enough of the Tim Duncans and the Kobe Bryants anymore. Yeah, there's a rare example with Steph Curry, but you you don't see elite players anymore sticking with their teams throughout their entire career. You got a chance to see this now. You have a chance to maybe see this with Giannis, especially if they could win uh, a championship uh, within the, with the, they can win a championship within the next five years. Oh yeah, definitely, and I think it would definitely help out the NBA if not. And I know. Darren Fox is an elite player, but I always thought he was going to walk out and leave Sacramento. But he finally, you know, he signed a few weeks ago, and I always thought he was going to leave. So I just bought his jersey now because now. Yeah, um, I, 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 yes, 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 yes. I get Kobe was originally with the Hornets, but come on, that was that was on draft night. He was tra- he was ended up being traded to the Lakers into the Lakers and played his entire career with the Lakers. So my point is, is that Kobe pretty much played his whole career with the Lakers. So yeah, Kobe was originally in the Hornets. I get that, but come on now, okay? Kobe was a Laker. Stop with that. Yes, he was traded. He was traded. To, he was tra- he was traded on draft night to the Lakers. So stop with that. Come on now. Yeah, yeah, he was always a Laker, but um, you know. So yeah, I I definitely think that um, it would help the sport, the NBA, if they because I think you know some of the issues is yeah, you know, building these super teams and for some of these small markets that can't compete, it's kind of 
you know you're not your team's not going to be in it so why bother you know so i i definitely think it would help if these small market teams who are up here in the lottery get a first you know a, a top five top ten pick and are able to keep them for the next 10 15 years instead of them um wanting out after three years before the before um a contract extension you know i, I think it would definitely help out the sport even rating right rating wise it de it definitely help out because i think you get more eyeballs on the game yeah ratings wise i think they'll watch regardless if they stay with their team or not but it is it, it is nice to see what we saw yesterday you know see what you saw with obviously Dirk, uh, Duncan, Kobe, the, you know, guys that stuck with their, stay with their teams. And, and, and we, we don't see it enough, even in all sports, you know, if the team's not doing well, guys want out. And I understand that because if management's not doing what they're supposed to be doing, the, I can understand their frustration. But yesterday was a, an example of something we don't see often in sports anymore. A guy who, de a guy who decides to stay with his team. Yeah, definitely. You know, and that's kind of, you know, it's been a turnoff for me in the NBA. It's kind of all this guys want out, you know, organizations. I, I understand if there's a lot of turmoil, there's just things aren't going right. Okay, I get it. But, you know, just for the losing part, I, you know, I don't know. I've always kind of been against that. Um, but, yeah, it, it's definitely it, it's definitely great, you know. I guess even for a guy like me, being a Kings fan, it's great to kind of see Darren Fox still be here and it kind of feels like okay we could build something around them yeah like it's kind of like how your how your king teams were built in the early 2000s with chris yeah. weber with vladi divots with page isorakovic with mike bibby it's how they were built in the early 2000s you know you just didn't people just hopping off getting out and leaving teams uh, every two to three years mm -hmm. yeah you know and i know we haven't been great drafting wise the last few years so you know we haven't had the talent to build but yeah definitely you know like Again, that could definitely happen. You hit on two, three picks. There you go. You can kind of build, not a, you know, maybe not a powerhouse or you know, elite team, but you could build a playoff team that can sneak in the playoffs every year, maybe win a series or two. Um, and I and I think it would it would be great, and I think it would, again, yeah, would turn you know back the NBA to like you know the '90s and '80s. What you're saying, where guys don't leave, they stay in one place, and I think it would help out the sport much more. I, I you know. It would definitely help out the NBA. Yeah, just it's, it's, it'll be interesting to see what ends up happening with Giannis. I mean, I'm I'm happy he's, he's returned to the Bucks. I personally felt like he would he would uh, test free agency, but he proved me wrong and and and, and signed yesterday. I, I thought he was going to take it to all the way to that deadline, although totally that December 22nd deadline. But he ended up signing with the Bucks, and he's going to be there now for the next four at least the next four years. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens in the East. To see what that with, with with the Nets, with the Nets, with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, and with the. Uh, with the Celtics, with Jason Tatum, with the uh, with the uh, Heat and uh, Jimmy Butler and uh, Bam Adebayo and and what Pat Riley's done there, so it's, it's now it's an interesting Eastern Conference. And, and say James Harden gets trade gets ends up getting traded to to the Sixers, then you got five pretty much you got five teams right there that could definitely win the Eastern Conference. Oh yeah, definitely. You know this this East isn't what it was a few years ago where it was kind of one team runs a show. It's definitely really spread out. Um, there's definitely, yeah, James Harden goes to uh, Philly. There's definitely five contenders in this conference. And it's not, you know, yeah, it's, it's definitely going to be a lot tougher to get through. And it's, you know, still not as big as a gauntlet as it will be get out of the Western Conference. But it's going to be pretty tough. Obviously, it's tough every year. But it gets a little bit tougher now when you, you do have potentially five games or five teams that can make an NBA championship and are going to give you, you know, 
tough outs in the, you know, um, night in and night out. Absolutely. And it should be fun to see what Giannis ends up doing with the Bucks. But we got to talk about college football and the rankings that came out yesterday. And listen, top three, I think everyone's fine with. Alabama one, Notre Dame two, Clemson three. You get to four through, four through nine, there's a lot of controversy. I know a lot of people don't think Ohio State should be number four because of the amount of games they played. You look at Texas A&M, they're at number five, but they really have no shot at winning a conference title. Iowa State, to me, it makes no sense that they're number six being a two-loss team. I don't care how well they play throughout the season. They're a two-loss team. They're a two-loss team. Uh, Fl- Florida, uh, 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 you look at them as a two-loss team. There's no way. There's no way Florida should be uh, should be in the top ten. Georgia, I don't think they should be that high. I think Cincinnati should definitely be ahead of all all three of those teams: Iowa State, Florida, Florida, and Georgia. There's no way Cincinnati should be at number nine. I don't care about their schedule. They're as Justin and Jace. They watch a ton of college football. They know they know how good Cincinnati is, and it just shows you that uh, that the uh, it, it just shows you that. The committee's not watching watching a college football. They're they're not watching college football at all. And, and and to put Cincinnati at nine, it makes no sense at all, Justin. Oh, it doesn't. Think about it. Even if there was eighteen playoff, Cincinnati would still be out. Like you would have three two loss teams over undefeated Cincinnati. Like uh, I, it's just it's just why do we even have a committee? Like if. They, if they're going to announce the top four team that they want before the season begins. Like, it makes no sense. It's a complete joke. And then, okay, so you push back Cincinnati because they didn't play a game. Ohio State didn't either. You know, uh, again, Cincinnati played eight, nine games. Ohio, I'm not, no disrespect to Ohio State. They're a good team, but they played five games. Come on. It's, it's a complete joke, you know. Florida, a 24-point home favorite at home to an LSU team that already lost Jamar Chase, already lost Terrence Marshall, already lost their tight, top tight end, Eric Gilbert. And they go in there and beat LSU, or beat Florida, and they go down one spot, just one. Florida looked awful. It is so SEC biased as well. Um, it, it, it's a complete joke, and again, it, it, it's sad. It, it, it's it's Thinks for the sport, and it just, it's just—it's a mockery that uh, you know there will never be a group of five team that will ever make the top five, make the top four in the playoffs. And it, again, I think it would help out the sport if they would ever do it. But again, they're just—they're too clueless. It just this guy just—you know—Gary Barta just makes excuses. It just—it's a complete joke that they just dis- disrespect the group of five like this. It. it Again, Iowa State's a good team. You know, Florida, I'm not trying to say Florida, Georgia, and, and Florida are not good teams. They are. But, again, Cincinnati is better than all of them. Cincinnati, I think, would be all three of those teams ahead of them. It, it, it's, it's an absolute joke. An absolute joke. Oh, I, I completely agree. I mean, there's just there, – there's no way that uh, Cincinnati should be at nine right now and Florida should be at seven. Florida being at seven is is, 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 is awful. Seeing that they lost to LSU, that, that just makes no sense at all. And and talking about one of the comments, uh, all four downs tonight, 7.30, uh, Big Jace is going to be going – he definitely is going to be going ballistic over the ratings because the, 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 these ratings make no – these rankings make no sense at all, especially where – especially a six through nine. Six through nine make absolutely no sense. I could take the top five. Six through nine make absolutely no sense at all. No, you're completely right. All three of those teams have 
two losses. You know, again, think about this too. Florida could lose this week and have three losses, but still get an at-large bid to play in New Year's Six. They, they could knock out either Cincy or Tol- you know, whatever, you know, if Cincy and Tulsa both win, I mean, Cincy and Coastal, Coastal may not even get a New Year's Six. They may put Florida at a Coastal. Who knows, you know, who knows? It's a complete joke. Uh, you know, it, 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 I just don't get it, you know. I, again, I, I, just three, two lost teams in the top ten. Again, I, I you know. I know they say they haven't played Cincinnati. They haven't seen them together. Then watch the watch before November, whatever, whatever week you started. Watch before. <laughs> Why does it just have to be from week whatever to 12 or 13 when they started? Why can't it be one from 12? I again, these excuses are just I don't I don't know. I, again, I Cincinnati's a really really talented team. It doesn't you know even if you don't sit and watch them with the with all 13 committee members. You can still, I don't know how you say they're, they're number nine in the country. It is, it just, uh, I, again, I, I hate it. You know, I, I'm tired. I'd rather just go back in computers at this point. Back to the BCS. Go back, computers. Yeah. Go back to the BCS. Go back to the BCS message. Yeah. I, I'd rather would. They may get more respect. They'd probably get more respect to Cincinnati and Coastal. Coastal's the only team in the country that has 11 wins. Yeah, but but I do think I don't think Coastal should be ahead. I mean, a lot of people are saying yesterday Coastal should be ahead of Cincy because of their wins over BYU and Louisiana. I don't think they should be because of the conference they're in. The Big South, the AAC is better than the Big South. And last week against Troy, they barely beat Troy last week. So I don't think Coastal should be ahead of uh, Cincinnati. But I definitely could see them maybe even being ahead of maybe Florida or Georgia, but not ahead of Cincinnati in my opinion. Yeah, I think you know. Mine, I would like Cincy at five, Texas A&M six, and then I like Coastal be in that seven or eight range right there. I, I'd be fine with Coastal either being seven, eight, or nine. That's where they should be. They should still be in the top ten. Um, they beat a Louisiana Lafayette team who they're playing this week is number nineteen in the country. They beat BYU. I don't care if it was on a short week for BYU. They still beat them when everybody, including myself, thought BYU was gonna blow them out. They still won that game. I. It, you know, them sitting at 12 is just, again, it, I, I just, again, I don't even know where to begin. I, I just don't know where to um go. I, I just, I don't know how to agree with the committee and how they put them, Florida, Georgia, and um, Iowa State ahead of them. I, I just don't, I don't understand. I, I really don't. I, no. I don't know how to defend the committee, and I don't want to. No, no, not, not, not at all. Not at all. It's just, it's, 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 it's bad. It's just, it's, 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 just, it's bad. They're not watching football and, and it's, it's, it's kind of embarrassing the way they've disrespected a uh, non-power five schools. Yeah, it, it, it is. It, it, it's yeah. awful, but we got to get to the games this week. We're going to start with the PAC 12 championship game Friday night as Oregon takes on USC. And I think this is a fun, uh, high-scoring game. But I think it's going to be the way USC has pulled games out all year. I got USC winning one really, really close over Oregon. But, Justin, uh, Oregon and USC's undefeated season. Um, again, there's a chance. Because, again, we saw USC kind of woke up late third quarter, fourth quarter, um, and really came back and found a way to win. Oregon, um, I just – for them, it's kind of been their defense been disappointment. I thought their defense would be really, really good this year. Um, but they've kind of been middle of the road. Um, we saw Jamar Jefferson absolutely run all over the Ducks a few weeks ago on Black Friday. 
Um, they haven't played last few weeks. They looked all, you know, defensive act, you know, played really good. I felt like against college, which is their offense didn't get going. They could put a full game together. I think they'll definitely be able to, but I'm going to take the Trojans though, 34 to 28. Um, I think they find a way to pull it out. I do like how Tyler Shaw was playing for the Ducks. Um, he'd really fit in, but I think the Trojans do find a way to win this week. Big Ten championship game. We got Ohio State against Northwestern. And for this game, I do think Northwestern's defense might keep them in it early. But I think eventually Justin Fields is going to take over and he's going to put up at least 28 to 30 points. And Peyton Ramsey, to me, is not going to be able to keep up in this game. And I have Ohio State winning the Big Ten by two scores. But, Justin, we know Northwestern's defense is good. It gives up 14 points a game. Can they contain Justin Fields and can Peyton Ramsey do enough? for the Wildcats to pull the upset? Maybe for 30 minutes. I don't know for 60. I, you know, I get the Buckeyes 41 to 20. I think it's going to be something like a few 2018. It was like 45, 24, the Big Ten Championship game, Ohio State. It was like Northwestern, you know, if I remember, you know, hung in there for a little bit. They just didn't have enough. I think that's going to be the same this week. Um, the one thing, you know, that I think Northwestern needs it's a put pressure on fields and make him force some interceptions as we saw that Indiana game, you know, um, he made some questionable decisions under pressure. Um, again, Patty Fisher and Blake Gallagher, the two um, big linebackers for Northwestern, if they can be game records, they definitely have a shot, but yeah, I just, their offense, I just won't be able to compete with Ohio state's um, offense. They, they're just, they miss. They just lack that explosiveness that Indiana has on the offensive side. That kept them. That kept Indiana in that game. Northwestern doesn't really have that, and I, I think the Buckeyes after 30 minutes will will pull away from the Wildcats. Big 12 championship game as we got Spencer Rattler and the Sooners who are playing really well against Brock Prudy and the Cyclones. And I think this is going to be a really, really close, competitive game, high-scoring game. I, I got. I think that. Uh, I think uh, Pr- uh, Prudy has a big game. I think Hall has a big game on the ground. I think Rattler has a big game through the air. And I think the maturity of Spencer Rattler is going to be the difference in this game. And I'll take. I'll take Lincoln Riley over Matt Campbell. And I got. Uh, I got Oklahoma winning this one clo- in a close, high-scoring game. But Justin, can Prudy and Hall keep up with Rattler? to pull off a sweep of Oklahoma and win the Big 12? I think there's a good chance. I, I think there, there's definitely that possibility of them doing it. I do have the Sooners winning this one 35-28. Um, again, I, you know, for Oklahoma, I know they have two losses, but I think com- they're more of a complete team than we've seen the last years because of the way they play up front. Their defensive line and their offensive line, I think, are a lot more physical than those last teams of you know, a few years ago, the beginning of the season, I know with the two losses, um, again, just kind of getting going. They, they had a lot of new pieces on both sides of the ball, including going to um, uh, Spencer Rattler, at quarterback. So I think, you know, would not shock me to see Iowa State keep this thing close. Um, I really like Matt Campbell. He's done a heck of a job at Iowa State. They're going for their first conference title since 1912. You know, um, I love Brock Curdy and Brace Hall. Um and the first time he, I think Hall had like 137 yards, I believe. He ran, he ran well last time against them. They picked off um, Rattler late in the end zone. I just, 
don't think I, you know, I like the way Oklahoma's playing. They're playing a lot better. I know that it's been like Baylor, Kansas, but again, they smoked Oklahoma State. I think Oklahoma finds a way to win their sixth straight Big 12 title. And yeah, and looking at Sebastian too, he says he likes uh, Iowa State plus seven. Yeah, I mean, you definitely would like that. You would definitely would like to take Ohio. I would definitely take Iowa State in the points too, but I do think Oklahoma wins it close. Yeah, you know, I, I definitely, I'd probably take Iowa State. I know my thing's right at seven. I'd probably take Iowa State with the points. Um, yeah, I, you know, I, I love Matt Campbell as a coach. Yeah, you know, Lincoln Riley's been really, really good too, but Matt Campbell's definitely really built this program. He's going to have these guys fired up, ready to go. Would not shock me to see the Cyclones um, even, you know, win this game. The one game with meaning that is not a conference title game is we have the Aggies traveling to Tennessee to face the Volves. And I think the, the Aggies win this game big with Isaiah Spiller and Kellen Mond. They have big days. I got the Aggies winning it by two or three scores. But, Justin, can the Volves in their final home game pull off the upset? Uh, that's not happening. I got the Aggies 31-14. Um, the one thing Tennessee does well in offense is be able to run the football. They like to use Eric Gray. Um, he's been a solid back this year. Kind of build off of play action. But Texas A&M is one of the best run-stopping teams in the country. They're not going to be able to do any of that. I got the Aggies um, like 31-13. Um, again, Oklahoma, I mean, Tennessee's played four quarterbacks. I don't. Um, I think it's going to be Harrison Bailey, the freshman, going to be starting this game. Um, tough spot for him to, you know, face a really, really good Texas A&M defense. Um, and then for... The Aggies, Isaiah Spiller's 10-0 when he rushed over 100 games. I think he'll be able to do that. Um, again, I think Pruitt will be back next year for any ball stands out there. I, I personally believe he'll be back for another year. Um, but I, I think the Aggies are too much. I like the way um, – I know that, you know, yeah, I think they're playing better. I like the way they played third, that fourth quarter against Auburn. Um, they'll find a way. They'll, they'll go, you know, they'll go on the road win by a couple scores. We got the Sun Belt Conference Championship game between Louisiana and Coastal Carolina. And I think this is going to be another fun, high-scoring game. But I know Louisiana beat Ohio State early in the season, but Coastal did beat them during the year. And I think Coastal does it again. I think that uh, Coastal, Grayson McCall is a big game. And in a close, another close, high-scoring game, I got Coastal beating Louisiana. But, Justin, can Louisiana's offense keep up Grayson McCall and win the Sun Belt Conference? Yeah. I am actually going to go against the Shanky Clears this week. Ooh. I the Raging Cajun. You didn't like what you saw last week against Troy. No, you know, I, I didn't. But, again, I think that was a big letdown spot, you know, um, just coming off the emotional wing at BYU. Um, I, I, I definitely thought there was a shot they were going to lose last week. But I like this Raging Cajun team. Billy Napier, I can't believe this guy hasn't gotten a Power 5 job yet. This guy has done an incredible job with the Raging Cajun. Um and the first meeting, they, they missed their second lean tackle, um, Fredrin Gardner, Gardner, the linebacker. Um, and Coastal kind of had the dominated time of possession. They had the ball for over 38 minutes. Um, again, uh, it's tough because both these teams are really, really good. It's tough to beat a team twice, I feel like, in college football when you're evenly matched like this. It's such a close game last time. Um, you know, and I really like the back from Lafayette. And Elijah Mitchell, I definitely think he's a guy that could um be a third round or a third could go in the third day in the NFL draft. As, as Jay said, uh, Troy was a Troy was a sandwich yeah. spot for Coastal letdown after BYU, and and they were looking ahead to the championship game. Yes, I I get yeah. that. 
That's why, yeah, but I still don't think that Coastal is as good as Cincinnati because you can't almost lose to Troy and want to, and consider yourself a team that's going to make the college football playoff, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I I agree with you there. Um, again, I definitely think they should be, you know, higher up than 12, though. 12, you know, um, I think they definitely should crack the top 10 and be at 7, 8, or 9. Um, but, yeah, you know, they shouldn't be ahead of Cincinnati, yes, because – that Troy game, you know, they did beat Lafayette though. And our man Sebastian uh, agrees with you. He likes he likes yeah. he likes Louisiana. Yeah, good. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, because I just see too with everybody loving Coastal again. Billy Napier's done such a great job with his team down the Sun Belt all these years. I you know I I see his team ready, and they'll, they'll get the revenge win. I really do like the team as long as they can get off the field in third down, because I think they're really. They're giving up like 46% of the time. Coastal's like 55% of their down. Get off the field for Louisiana. They'll win this game. Got the big, big, big game. Probably the game of the day as we got a rematch of a game in November as Clemson faces Notre Dame in the ACC title game. And I think this is a fun game. I think it's going to be just like the game, very similar to the game that was played in November. I think it's a scoring game. I think it's a fun game. I think Notre Dame runs the ball well. I think Ian Book has a good game. Uh, through the air and on the ground, so I think I think Notre Dame puts up points. But I think clever. I, I know I know uh, Notre Dame's defense is good, but Trevor Lawrence is really good. He's great, and I think Trevor Lawrence is a big game for for uh, for Clemson. I think this is a close, competitive, high scoring game, but that comes down to the end with the ball in Trevor Lawrence's hands, and I think he wins the game for Clemson. And I got Clemson getting into the college football playoff and beating Notre Dame in a close one. But Justin, can Ian Book keep up with Lawrence? and not Clemson out of the playoffs for the first time since 2014. Yeah, I, I, there is definitely a good possibility, and I would love to see it. I'm, I'm <laughs> You're not a Dabo guy. No, I am not a Dabo guy. Um, but I got Clemson's holding on 35-31. Um, again, the first meeting, too, they were missing. Clemson missing three or four defensive starters, and their top guy, Tyler Davis, was out there de tackle. Um, was kind of their top guy. They yeah, missed like two or three other starters in that game. Um, again, this is the Notre team, Notre Dame team built differently. <laughs> Jared, don't judge Ian Book by his cover. <laughs> nice one, Jared. That's a funny one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you know, it, and Book's been getting better. I feel like we every week. You know, he's not going to be a guy that's going to throw for four hundred yards, but they don't need him to. He's a guy that does enough. On third down, if he needs to run and find a way to get the first down, he'll pick up the first down. Um, he's a really, really good game. You know, he's been a really, really good quarterback this year. Again, he's not going to win the Heisman, but he's sitting up there. I definitely have him, you know, my top five. Um, again, I just think now with Trevor Lawrence, DJ Aluwagu, I cannot pronounce his name, threw for over 440 yards. For, or 440 he's he's, he's going to be a stud, though. He's, he, he comes in next year. He's going to be a stud. He'll probably be the oh, first-round yeah. pick in two or three years. He'll yeah. be the number one overall pick. Oh, he definitely will. His size, too, um, at 6'5 or whatever. You know, he's a really, really good quarterback, you know, and then he comes in Nordane, lights him up. Now you get Lawrence. I think it's definitely going to be a tough one for Nordane to win. Um but and then also Notre Dame's defense coordinator um, Clark Lee did just take the Vanderbilt job earlier in the week. He will be uh, part of the Notre Dame staff until their season's over. But again, now he's working two jobs, like signing days today. So now he's you know, again he's got so much going on right now too. Um, he's done a great job. Again, that North Carolina game, 
They had 150 yards, North Carolina did in the first quarter. Then last three quarters, they had 148 total yards. To slow down that offense, um, he does a great job making adjustments, but I'm going to take the Clemson Tigers to pull it out 35-31. Yeah, I just think it's just so hard to bet against Trevor Lawrence. It's just, mm-hmm. yeah, he's only this would only be his second loss in three years. I just, just like you don't bet against Mahomes, you, outside outside of him playing the LSU game, you just you don't bet against Trevor Lawrence. That's why I, I mean, it'll be tough if he plays Alabama in the national title game. It'll be a tough one. But be Lawrence, fun, yeah. yes, he won't win the Heisman Trophy because unfortunately he missed two games because of COVID. But I still think he's the best quarterback in the country, and that's why I got Clemson. But another question, another Jared comment. Uh, Tar Tar heals all Tar heals all wounds. Yeah, that's a nice <laughs> one there. And definitely, and by the way, check Jared out on uh, throwing jabs. Him, Jason, Joe, great podcast every Saturday morning. Uh, definitely check out that podcast too. Uh, that's another great CMG podcast there. But yeah, yeah, I mean, I think you know, I just don't bet. I'm just not going to bet against Trevor Lawrence here. But the here's the, here's the big question though. We both got Clemson winning it. But say say that happens, and Notre Dame is one loss. Do they still get in the college football playoff? Nordy, yeah, I, I definitely think Nording would. Um, the interesting part would be if Ohio State wins, everything else goes as well as it should. Um, do they put them ahead of Ohio? To, do we see the trilogy in the semifinals, or do they push them to the fourth seed? I think the bigger question. I definitely think they will. I think their body of work has definitely shown that they're a top four team. As long as they don't lose this game eighty to nothing, they'll be in. You know, and I, I don't see that happening. As long as they take care of business, keep this thing close. Um, they de- they definitely have punched their ticket in the uh, final four. Uh, yeah, I, I I agree with Jared. He said Jared's S. I think you said yeah. I I, I agree. I think that uh, that Notre Dame should be in. And J- and Jace just said you don't bet against Clemson. But 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 what about the the uh, ten and a half? I, I absolutely think Notre Dame can cover. Yes, I think Notre Dame can cover. But I just don't think Notre Dame's gonna. I think it's gonna be close. But I don't think Notre Dame's gonna win the game. I think it's gonna be Clemson winning the game close and getting into the playoff for the sixth year in a row. Yeah, definitely. You know, I'm I'll take Nording with the points. Um, even though that line scares me, how big it is, it does scare me. But it's just because I didn't think it would be that big. But definitely, I I'm definitely taking Nording. They they should keep this thing closer than ten and a half points. Uh, we got the AAC title game. My one of my dad's best friends is the commissioner, assistant commissioner of the American Conference. Hopefully, his Bearcats can get in. But uh, we got Tulsa uh, heading to uh, Cincinnati. Uh, and we got Tulsa playing. Are they playing at Cincinnati, Justin? Yes. Or is it? A new, it's at Cincinnati. it's at Cincinnati. So Tulsa plays Cincinnati in the AAC championship game. And Justin's been and Jason's been saying it all year that Cincinnati's a really good team, and I'm buying it. I think that uh, Cincinnati, uh, uh, their defense plays really well. I think they they contain Tulsa. Because I remember I watched Tulsa against Oklahoma State this year, and their offense didn't do that much. And I think Cincy's defense is better than than uh, than uh, Oklahoma State's defense. So I think it's the same thing. I th- I think t- uh, Desmond Ritter is a- Desmond Ritter is enough, and I got Cincinnati finishing their season undefeated and uh, winning the game by two scores. But here's the question, Justin: Tulsa and Cincinnati's playoff chances. Um, I would you know I had a better I thought maybe last night you asked me last night that they had a better chance, but now now with Cincinnati be at number nine, I love the way Luke F- Fickle is. I think he has his team motivated, and I think they come out and they're looking for destruction. I think they win this thing big. I thought Tulsa was going to keep this close, but I don't think so anymore. I think you're going to see inspired Cincinnati football team. Um, the only worry is they haven't played. It's going to be about a month. They haven't played since November 21st. That's my only worry of rust here, but they've been prepping for Tulsa since then. They've been 
prepping since Tulsa since um um actually they, they had Temple on the twenty eighth. So they've been prepping for um Tulsa since like November twenty ninth. They they they've been prepping for this game for a while. So I think they come out fired up, ready to go. I love this Bearcats team, the way they play defense. Um for Tulsa, they really they need David Collins, the defensive player of the year in the American Conference, to really step up, make some big plays. He does lead the team as well in um, interceptions with four. Um, again, maybe early on in this game, Cincinnati trying to get the rust off of him, especially offensively. He can make a big player too. Kind of, you know, shift momentum here would be huge um, for the Golden Hurricanes. Um, Seth Boomer was supposed to be their starting quarterback, but he's out for injury. Um, Zach Smith's done a, a good job. They've been banged up at running back all year. Not a great offensive team, but um, they you know, but they do enough. And their defense has been really has been. Their, their <laughs> Look at Jared, Jared's comment. Cincinnati will while out in this game. We will rid our sleeves of Tulsa. Nice one, nice one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah he does. He does. Definitely does. I don't know how he does it? But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I got the Bearcats, and then actually the Bearcats' leading sacker is actually Darren Beavers, who two years ago was a leading sacker at a uh, UConn. He's a he's a UConn transfer. He's oh, a UConn transfer, good to Cincinnati. Yeah. He probably wanted to win. That's that's the thing. Probably. probably. Yeah, yeah. He, he's really, probably really sick of losing to Cincinnati every year. Probably. Yeah. They yeah. He's down. But, yeah, um, yeah. 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 So I like him at the linebacker spot, but I'll take the Bearcats twenty-seven ten. We got the big game, the SEC title game. Would have been. Bigger if uh, if Florida won last week, but the committee did give Florida a little bit of a break, putting them at number seven. Even though my cousin is a senior at Florida, I completely disagree with them being number seven. So, but for this game, I think that you know Trask and Pitts keep them in it early. Maybe the game's competitive for a half, but I do think that Alabama wins this game, and I think they're a seventeen point favorite. I think they cover. I think Alabama wins it by two or three by, by two or three scores. They're clearly the best team in the country. Great defensively with Dillis, Dylan Moses, Patrick Sertan. Offensively, obviously, Mac Jones, the favorite to win the Heisman. You got uh, Jay, you got uh, sorry about that. Oh, uh, we got you got Devontae Smith and uh and Najee Harris. Unfortunately Jalen Waddle's out, but still that's not gonna matter for Alabama. I got Bama beating Florida by two or three scores. But the big but the big question is here, Justin, can Trask and Pitts keep up with Jones? And win the SEC. Yeah, <laughs> I think we know the answer to this one. Yeah, uh, I think we know the answer to this one. Yeah, forty-nine twenty-seven. I got the Bama roll tide taking it. Um, look, you know Brad Johnson played a really good game for LSU last week. You know they moved the ball really, really well. Now you get a Mac Jones team with the best wide receiver in the country, Devontae Smith, uh, and Najee Harris. They're just there's just no way. And Florida's one-dimensional offense. They can't run the ball. You can kind of see that last week. They're not great at running the football. Um, Kadarius Tony's a really good wide receiver with Pitts, but they're just, again, Nick Saban, once again, uh, you know, they looked awful defensively against Ole Miss. But now they're playing really, really well. Nick Saban just does it every year. His defenses get <laughs> Yeah, yeah Jared says it too. You sound pretty certain about the outcome of this game. And we are. <laughs> we are certain that uh, Alabama is going to win the SEC. Oh yeah, uh, I I just there you know again I would not be shocked if Bama puts up more than fifty. I don't I'd be shocked, you know I'd be shocked if Florida, you know forces a punt or more than a punt or two. I I'd be absolutely shocked. They just don't they just don't have the defense to keep up with these guys and they're just they're just too one dimensional. 
Jalen Waddle was actually Devontae Smith posted a video of uh, Jalen Waddle the other day. He's out of the cast and he was like getting ready to run a route or whatever in the locker room or something. So with like you know, um, like may, 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 maybe in a few weeks we could see Jalen Waddle back in the field. Um, who knows? But yeah, there's just there's just no way. Um, and Mac Jones is gonna take the tight the Heisman title home. Your Heisman Trophy home. Absolutely, absolutely. Joe was 100% right about Mac Jones. He was he was oh, yeah. totally right about that. But that's going to wrap it up this week on Sports Talk with R&J. For Justin D'Onofrio and Jace Garcia, did a great job producing today. I'm Steve Risser. We'll be back next week talking week 16 of the NFL season and reacting to the college football Final Four. Have a great weekend, everybody. Looking for a casual baseball podcast to listen to? Well, Baseball with the Bard, presented by Clovercrest Media, has just what you're looking for. Tyler Bard and Noah Cross cover a wide range of happenings in the MLB and then dive into a deep focus on the Red Sox and Yankees. Join us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for your weekly dose of Baseball with the Bard. HHW Show Podcast returns January 5th with a new season, Road to the Royal Rumble. Hector, Frank, Jason, Ovi will be on the set with the latest news and takeaways. Follow us on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and you can listen wherever you listen to your favorite podcast app.